0: You belong here. I love this place because this is a place where, where no matter where you come from, what your background is, or anything else, you belong here, and you are welcome here. And this really is family. It thrills my heart when I hear people talking uh, 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 about the church, and they come in and they share. It just, it just feels so. It, it, it feels like it's, it's just family and that 's the thing I hear over and over about you about this group of believers, and I love that i don 't think there could be a better compliment than that. This is family and uh, so I want to say welcome and um, we are in the uh, in week two of our series, everyone gets to play and I hope that you're you're beginning to see <clears throat> starting to see that life in Jesus is so much more than, uh, than just receiving assurance of going to heaven someday. Sometimes, you know, we, we focus on, okay, I, you know, my sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven. That's great. And we're, we're, we, we focus on that. Like, that's our goal. And, and that is one of them. But if that's all we have, then we're missing out on a whole lot. I mean, that's like eating the dessert, which is good. And it's great. I mean, strawberry shortcake, um, you know, I could go on. Anyway, but I don't know if I want to go on. Strawberry shortcake is so good. Anyway, it's it's like eating that and missing the steak, right? Or for those of you that are vegetarians... The tofu, I, I don't know, <clears throat> you know, that, that's supposed to taste like chicken or whatever, I, I, I don't know, but, but you know, it's, it's so much more than assurance of going to heaven. It also has everything to do with living life here and now on this earth, life in this present age. It does, it, it, everything in this present age. You know, we have more information available to us today than at any other time in our history. We live in a time where we, all you have to do is pull out your smartphone <clears throat> or go to your computer and type in a few letters, a couple of words, uh, into in Google and hit search. And you can find countless articles on whatever it is you search for, whatever topic it is. Countless articles will pop fact, pop up. In fact, as I was, um, I was working on this message, I typed in information age into Google. And in 0.47 seconds, I got over 7 million hits. Over 7 million hits in 0.47 seconds. Um, you know, just when I, after I hit enter. It's easy. My brother recently had to do some home repairs a couple of months ago. So he searched on YouTube <clears throat> and found out how to repair his roof. Do you know you could do that? How to repair his roof on YouTube. You can take college courses online. Or if you're feeling sick, you can can, uh, 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 just Google your symptoms. Or you can go to WebMD and find out all kinds of things that are wrong with you. (laughs) And drive your doctor crazy at the same time. I mean, you know, why bother with med school when you have WebMD, right? I mean, really, Um, you know, we live in an information age. Oh, thank you. I don't know what hit my throat, but it hit it right quick. We live in an information age. I mean, we can we can open up a Bible app on our phone and read the Bible in almost 60 different translations in English. And who knows how many there are, you know, in other languages. We can study the Bible and learn all kinds of information about Jesus and things he taught. But as we learned last week, it's not enough to just to to know the right things. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. Now, knowing things about Jesus is a part of that. There are certain things we really do need to learn but it's so much more than that. If we want to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to look at Jesus' life and we need to ask ourselves, are we ready? Are we willing and are we able to become a disciple of Jesus and do the things that he did? And that's the question for us today. Last week we looked at the book of Acts chapter 9 or 1038. Where Peter's speaking to Cornelius and he sums up Jesus' life. In talking to Cornelius, he sums up Jesus' life when he says, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus went around doing all these good things. I mean, he treated people with kindness, he treated people with compassion, with dignity. Uh, he healed people. Uh, he set them free from bondage and oppression. And, you know, he elevated the women, the the role of women in society. Uh, he and he taught the disciples to do all of that as well, to do the same things he was doing. But here's the thing: I need. I think we need to understand. He wasn't when he was teaching the disciples. He wasn't just teaching the disciples a series of good things to do. Okay, we need to heal the sick and treat people with dignity and, and, you know, cast out demons and, you know, set people free and, re, you know, restore the, you know, people who have been outcasted. Now, he wasn't just teaching them a series of good things to do. Jesus taught them a way of life. It's a way of life. It's more than just doing things. It's a lifelong journey that Jesus taught us. And when we talk about a way of life, it's, it's more than a series of events. It's a way we interact both with God and with other people. It's the way we respond to the events and people in life the, through a kingdom perspective and with the kingdom values and with kingdom principles. It's how we respond to life. Viewing life through a kingdom worldview. And, and you know, that's what Jesus worked for for, uh, for three years to try to get across to his disciples And it took Jesus three years working every day with the disciples because the only way it's learned and the way that Jesus taught his disciples is through relationship. Jesus taught the disciples not just about God, but he taught them how to have relationship with God. And he taught it by modeling it. Everything he did, he modeled to his disciples. In Luke 4, 42, we find Jesus slipping out to be alone with the Father. That's modeling it. In Luke 5, 16, we learn that that was his regular practice, to go out alone and pray and, and be with the Father. In Luke tw- uh, 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 six twelve, 12, Jesus went out and spent the whole night praying to the Father. In Luke 19, 18, Jesus, uh, uh, again, was praying in private to the Father. and in, in Luke 9, 29, Jesus took his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to a mountain while he prayed. And while he prayed, he was transfigured before him. You've heard, you know, with his, he, all of a sudden he just started glowing and gleaming and, and you know, light coming out from him. And, 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 you know, they saw, the disciples saw him in his glorified state while he was praying to the Father all this time the disciples you know they keep seeing Jesus going off and spending time with the Father and praying to the Father and and, and that other they they're all, and all that time then they see him come back and he's and he's healing the sick and he's raising the dead and he's casting out demons all of those things are things which flowed from his relationship with the Father I mean the Bible tells us that Jesus Only did what he saw the father doing. He only did what he saw the father doing. So, so... You know, Jesus, when he went to be with the Father, he was learning what the Father was doing, what he was wanting to do, and then Jesus came and he did those things. I think that's where he got his marching orders for the day. Okay, today, this, I'm going to lead you this way. I'm going to do that. And I think a lot of times, if the Father just, just showed him ahead of time what he was going to do, and other times, just because of the relationship he had, Jesus would be walking along and all of a sudden, you'd hear the Father speak and say, okay, this is, this is the person whose life I want you to touch. This is a person who I want you to, to spend some time with and, and, and administer to minister to. Everything he did flowed out of his relationship with the Father. And then he taught, he gave the disciples power to do the same things that he was doing. And in Luke chapter 11, after watching Jesus' pattern of going off to pray, coming back and doing these things, going off to pray again, coming back and doing more things, going off to pray again and and, and coming back, and there's more miracles and more people set free and all of this, they came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, teach us to pray is more than just Teach us the words to say when we pray. I mean, right? It's more than that. I mean, I can say the words, but it doesn't mean that I'm praying. When I grew up, I learned the words to some prayers very well. Our Father, who art in our heaven, hallowed be thy name. kingdom come. thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I mean. I can can do that. Am I praying? No. Did I say the words? I think I got most of them right. (laughs) Got a little tongue tied there. But it's, it's more than just teach us the words to say. It's Jesus, teach us how to have the kind of relationship with the Father that you have. I mean, where you talk to him, you're close to him. He gives you the, your, your marching orders. He tells you what, what he wants you to do. You know, it's, it's it, it, see, it's, Here, here's the thing. When we talk about doing the things of Jesus, especially like we did last week, and you know the, the, we're disciples. We're doing the things that that um, uh, that that Jesus taught the disciples to do, and they pass it down. We're to do those same things, okay? And we are. Our relationship with the Father is one where we're doing a lot of things, but it's not just doing, 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 doing. Our relationship with God is one of being, being the person that that uh, uh, he he taught us to be. All the things he taught his disciples to do were important things, which we need to be doing too, but they flowed out of relationship with the Father, and that's what we need to see. Jesus taught us a way of life where everything comes out of closeness to the Father. So when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, it wasn't just the words that he said that were important. It wasn't just the types of things he mentioned in what we call the Lord's Prayer, like that God's name would be lifted up, the kingdom of God. God would come and and God's will would be done and all those things. It wasn't just that. What was also important was that this was all said in the context of the way that he lived his life in relationship with the Father. If Jesus' life had not been what it was, if they had not seen him living the way he lived and doing the things that he did, then the disciples never would have asked him to teach them to pray. Because it was the impact of his life, lived in relationship with the Father, that caused them to say, we want that too. That thing that you're doing. I mean, when you pray, it's different than when others pray. We want to have that kind of relationship with the Father. Jesus' prayers were an outflow of his life of faith, trust, and relationship with God. And, and, you know, Jesus took this band of men from all different backgrounds. I mean, you had fishermen, you had a tax collector, you had a zealot, you know, all different backgrounds. And he taught them a different way of life. And it was a way of life that, that looks at life differently, and it lives life differently than everybody else around them. It was a simple life, uh, or a simple life of, of faith, trust, humility and relationship with God. He told his disciples in Matthew 18:3, said, "Truly, I tell you, unless you change, you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven." That is not something that the people around them were all trying to be like. Children. With humility. Where social status isn't what matters, but relationship is. I mean, what matters to a child is who's family with him. Who is family with him, not how important a person is they could care less about how important a person is but they care deeply about who they call family and who calls them family second thing about being a disciple i think we need to understand is that by calling you and me to be as disciples what jesus is doing is he is extending his ministry He extends his ministry through us. If you were here last week, you'll remember we referenced this passage in Luke 10. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. And if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking, whatever they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is is, is near to you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus ministered to people, a lot of people experienced the kingdom of God. When the multitudes were fed, when the lepers were cleansed, when anyone was healed, when anyone was set free of demonic oppression, Jesus, uh, 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 they, they were experiencing the kingdom of God. They were experiencing the kingdom of God coming in power. And when the kingdom of God came, people responded in different ways. Some people rejected the message outright. They came with the message, bringing the message of the kingdom. They didn't want to hear it, didn't want anything to do with it. Others received it with joy. And still others not only received it, but they were then commissioned to extend his ministry. How many are familiar with um, who John Wimber was? Hmm. Several. Several are not. John Wimber is a man uh, that God uh, powerfully touched his life. Uh, He was in the uh, music industry in the early '60s. With uh, fact, he was a band with a a band called the Righteous Brothers, which I kind of think is really funny. You know, anybody remember the Righteous Brothers? You've lost that love and feeling all. Yeah, okay. He was with the righteous brothers, and God just radically changed his life, transformed his life, and. Uh, he ended up uh, uh, uh getting into you know going into ministry and 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 pastoring and that and he fa- he was really the founder or, uh, of the vineyard movement the, of which we are a part and he died a number of years ago went on to be with the lord but anyway he tells, would tell the story of the beginnings of the uh, of the vineyard movement he to, would tell the story of a vision that the lord gave him and the Lord had spoken to him and said, uh, "You know, to to, to preach uh, uh, on healing the sick." So he did. Problem was, nobody was getting healed, and he got kind of frustrated with that. Week after week, nobody got healed. In fact, a lot of people just got worse. You know, and he he's talking to God about it one time, and 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 you know, said, so "What is this?" And and God spoke very clearly to him and said preach my word not your experience preach my word not your so he continued to preach as God had told him to on healing and then but nobody was getting healed until one day he was called to uh, to come and pray for a woman who uh was just really sick husband had to go to a new job so he couldn't stay home the wife was really sick they called and and you know called him say could you come over and pray with for my wife I gotta you know go to my new job and my wife's sick I can't leave her and and all of this and he goes over there he mumbles some kind of you know prayer you know she's in bed and she's just like you know looking like a wreck and and uh uh he mumbles some kind of prayer you know, and turns around and starts explaining, you know, to the husband why people don't always get well, you know, and that, and the husband's looking over, you know, John's shoulder, you know, is like, like, well, what? He turns around. She, the wife, is up, out of bed, hair combed, robe on, you know, totally well. She was instantly healed, and and he, you know, left there and kind of belated and and, he, and as he tells it he he's you know he left that house and he yells out we got one you know you know <laughs> yes and that was the first it started a an influx of healing gifts being released into the church and into his life you know he had a real ministry where where uh that happened frequently not all the time but frequently in him and throughout the church and throughout the vineyard uh, uh movement well but back to the story. He as as he left the family's house um after the wife was healed, he saw a vision, very clear vision in his mind. And uh I want to read that an account of that vision as told by his wife Carol a number of years later. And uh I've heard him tell this several times so she, you know it's this is how it was. Says so he said at that moment in his mind's eye he he got he saw the, the sky in the sky a huge honeycomb, dripping honey out onto people below it. Some were joyfully weeping, tasting it, and even sharing it. Others were irritated, wiping the honey off themselves and complaining about the mess. It's my mercy, John, he felt the Lord saying, For some, it's a blessing, but for others, it's a hindrance. There's plenty for everyone. And then Carol finishes with, in a nutshell, that's what the vineyard was founded on. The kingdom reality that there's plenty for everyone. Plenty of mercy for sinners, plenty of healing for the broken, plenty of love for the outcast, plenty for everyone. Powerful vision, powerful image. I want to just repeat one part of that where she said, some were joyfully weeping, tasting it, even sharing it, and others were irritated, wiping the honey off themselves and complaining about the mess. People don't always respond the same way to the message and the mercy of God. Have you noticed that? People don't always respond the same way. Some people welcome it. They drink it in. They soak in all they can get, and they're so grateful, and it's like, you know, it's like that vision. They're, you know, they're, they're receiving the, 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 the honey, the, the, the sweet honey that's coming down, and, and you know, tasting it, and they're oh, just so wonderful. Others reject it outright it's an annoyance it's a sticky mess what's this i got it in my hair i got it in my arms it's a it's a mess they see it as an irritant they start wiping it off themselves they refuse to have anything to do with it still others they receive all they can get they taste all they want they take in all they want for themselves and then they start running to share it with others because it's too good to keep to yourself. See, that's what God's plan is that we would receive the message of His kingdom. The message of his love, the message of his mercy, the message of his grace, the message of you know, the freedom that we have in him and the redemption that we have in him. You know, Colossians 1.13, probably my life verse, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and set us in the kingdom of the son that he loves. Because that's what he did with me. And we can stand here and we can talk all we want about the love of God and the goodness of God and the grace of God. And and it means absolutely nothing until we take it and taste it for ourselves. And once we taste it for ourselves, then we want to share it with people around us. See, his plan is that that we would experience the goodness of his kingdom but not stop with just experiencing it, but we would take it to others and we would extend his kingdom by just saying, hey, look, have some, try some, taste and see that the Lord is good. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 is called the Great Commission for a reason. Jesus is commissioning his church. He's commissioning you and me to take the proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom to everyone we can and to make disciples who are willing to do the same. Let's read it. Jesus came out and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So you don't have to worry you're doing it alone. Because he says, I'm with you always. See, Jesus started with 12. Then he sent 72. The day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added. And it continues to grow as disciples continue to make more disciples and more disciples and more disciples. Remember the parable of the mustard seed it starts with this one tiny, tiny seed is buried in the ground and then it begins to multiply. And soon it begins a, uh, begin, c- 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 you know, grows into a large tree. It serves as a a resting place and a refuge for the birds of the air. That's how the kingdom of God grows on earth. Starts with one small seed, and it's planted in the ground. It's watered, it's nurtured, and it begins to grow. That's us. That's us. Small seed. Kingdom is, 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 is planted in us and then we begin to grow. That's how it works for us. As we're nurtured, as we're watered. See, you can plant something in the ground and it come up like... Grow a little bit or you can nurture it and care for it and get much fruit. Richie knows about this. A couple of years ago, you planted some potatoes and you had some little ones helping you plant those potatoes, right? And the deal was you put the, what, the eye of the potato, was that how you plant it or whole potato? Okay, because I've never seen a potato seed, you know? But anyway, tell I didn't grow up on a farm. Um, But, you know, you put the potato in the ground and take a handful of fertilizer and put it on it, right? Well, come time to harvest and, you know, getting all these big potatoes, all these, you know, good crop. But then there's this one spot where there were just these little tiny potatoes. A few little tiny potatoes grow. I mean, they were growing, but they were little tiny. He couldn't figure it out. And then he realized the little ones that he had helping him with little hands, a handful of fertilizer was not so much you know in their hands as it was in his all right the nurturing is important the watering is important how we care but then you know as as you know the 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 kingdom of god the rule and reign of god is in our lives and then we spread it and make disciples and we grow as we nurture that in ourselves we take it out and 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 we grow And then the growth is exponential because one disciple makes another disciple who makes another disciple who makes another. And the kingdom of God just spreads like that tree. That's Jesus' plan for extending the kingdom of God on earth. But here's what happens. We look at ourselves and we see all the reasons. It's great when we see somebody else doing it, but we look at ourselves and we see all the reasons why we can't do it. Right? Don't we tend to do that? Didn't they do that? So many in the Bible. You look at Moses. God appears to him in a burning bush that wasn't consumed. He says, "I want you to go, you know, back to Pharaoh and tell him to, you know, is, is, let my people go." You know, and, and Moses comes up. <laughs> Some of you will catch that. So. <clears throat> Moses comes up with all these ideas, all, all these reasons why he can't do it. He doesn't talk well, he stutters, he's, you know, and all these reasons why he can't do it. Gideon. Gideon. Lord came to Gideon and said, and said, you know, I'm going to use you. And, and, and Gideon says, well, no, 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 I, I'm not really the right choice. Come from a small family. He's one of the smallest, the like smallest tribe of Israel. All these reasons why He can't do it. That he was too insignificant. And yet God used both of them in in such a powerful way. All throughout the Bible, we discover that that God is always using people who we would look at and question his choice. Right? Like It's like, God, how could you use Samson as a deliverer? I mean, kind of look at his lifestyle it wasn't that great, you know he he liked to hang around with prostitutes right i mean and but yet God used him in a powerful way, and we can go all through the Bible, we can look at rahab, we can look at all these people that 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 um that God used and we would and and we look at him and say I don't see the qualifications and then we turn that to ourselves and we say God you're wanting me to do this I'm not qualified I don't have the gifting I don't have the ability and we come up with reason after reason why why we're not the right person for God to use but here's something that we need to realize it's number three and that is Jesus uses an imperfect church he uses an imperfect church. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul's explaining that Christ died for us, and, and in, in, in so doing, he paid the penalty for our sin, and he's given us new lives, and therefore we are no longer living for ourselves but for God. And, and you know, looking at this passage, here's a key. When you start thinking that, 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 God, you can't use me because of this, because I've got this wrong with my life, or, or I've done this, or whatever... We need to pay attention to what Paul says here. In chapter 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16, it says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. I mean, we've got to stop thinking from a human point of view and begin to see things from God's eyes. Begin to see things from God's perspective. Begin to see things, things from, from God's worldview. We need to get God's worldview as our worldview. Then he goes on. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, not just some, not just a few, not just a chosen few, but anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Already is, already has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the, 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 these imperfect people that now Jesus has declared, you know, I see you as perfect. I see the completed, the completed picture in you. And, and you know, uh, given us this task of reconciling people to God. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You see, our worldview and the way we see ourselves sees the faults, sees the weaknesses, sees the inabilities, all the things that say, I can't do this, God, you better look for somebody else. But God's worldview says this I know your shortcomings. I know your failures, I know your weaknesses, but guess what? you are weak, I'm strong. And because of me, you are a new person. And I've equipped you with everything you need. You now have all the resources of my Holy Spirit available to you. I want you to go out and bring people to me, turning them into disciples. See, we're just saying, use me. See, we see ourselves as imperfect people, but God sees us as being in his son, Jesus, who is perfect. And that's what he sees. When God looks at you, he sees you different than you see yourself. And guess whose view is the more accurate one? His. What he sees is the truth. So in this series that we're doing, everyone gets to play. The question becomes, are you and I ready, willing, and able to get off the bench and get in the game when he calls our name? We can either think of all the ways we aren't perfect, all the ways that we're not qualified, Or why someone else would be a better choice. Or we can trust in the one. That the one who invites us. And says. That we can. Because he is able. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. His workmanship. Some, some trans, one translation says poem. Just a beautifully crafted work of art. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we might be able to do the things he planned for us long ago. Is that what it says? No. he's He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can. We can. I can. You can. We can do the things he planned for us long ago. We can do it. The question is, will we? Will we trust that God knows what he's doing when he's called you and me to be his disciple? And will we learn his way of life and say yes to extending his ministry? Realizing that we may be imperfect as individuals, as a church, we're an imperfect church. We can find out all, we can come up with all sorts of reasons why we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't do. But Jesus says, Yes, you can do it. And I'm calling you to do it. What will you say? See, it really is true. In the kingdom of God, everyone gets to play. It's our choice, though. Are we ready? willing and able but there is a starting point and the starting point is a relationship with Jesus if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you would like to start you can do that today This is what I want. Everybody close your, head, your, your, close your heads. <laughs> okay. See, God uses imperfect, a perfect example right here. Perfect example of imperfect. Um, close your eyes and bow your heads. The the point of this is not to point anybody out. It's not to, you know, we're not going to have you stand up in front of everybody and, and all of that. It, it, it's just a question for you right now. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to start one, he's asking you right now. All you got to do is respond just by saying yes. And as a show of that yes, I just encourage you, just lift your hand up right now, right where you are. Yes, anyone else? Yes, anyone else? Okay, put your hands down. want to say a simple prayer we're going to pray this we'll pray it together and we'll just let Jesus take it from there Jesus I want to know you I heard that you want me to be your child So I want to be a part of your family. I want to know that I belong to you. So take me. And let this relationship with you begin today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I want to ask one more question, mm-hmm. and I realize so many people here are um, ready, willing, able, and making steps and becoming a disciple. Who you know, and, and and is is you know work walking it out, walking it out. But if you're here today and, you know, you've just been focused on, well, I'm going to heaven someday and not really thought much about taking it a further step and actually beginning to walk in the things that he walked in and learning to be a disciple, to get in the game and be a disciple. But there's something in you now that's saying, I want that. That's what I want for me. I'm ready and I'm willing, and God, if you make me able, I'll do it. If that's you, again, with eyes closed, just raise your hand right where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, let's pray again. Lord, here we are. We're ready. We're willing. Even time, even where we are hesitant, we are willing to be made willing. And by your Holy Spirit, we are able. So help us today. Teach us to be your disciples. We want to be like Jesus. In how he lived and in what he did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The worship team, come on up.